Look, there, there's a limit to intelligence. The humans are still more intelligent, clearly. That's why they're superior. That's why we learn at the end of the movie that no matter how you feel, no matter what makes sense, the races should stay separate. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Pixar. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler the Warning Podcast. This is review number 387 with a review of The Good Dinosaur. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler the Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, Pixar is back, and they're making another film, and we're going to tell you whether it's... Uh, you know, it works its way over to the good side of Pixar, or it works its way over to the cars and brave side of Pixar. So, mm-hmm. how you doing this fine evening, Stephen? I'm doing okay. Uh, we're starting to record a little later than usual, and I didn't eat dinner, but I am drinking a beer. So, I think that's <laughs> the kind of edge we need for something like The Good Dinosaur. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I it, it should be interesting. It is much later than normal. I was like laying, reading a, a, a book before you came on here. So you haven't eaten your drink in yeah, a beer. Tell, tell me about that. What book were you reading? <laughs> I am reading Super Intelligence, a book that I found out about from the Hello Internet podcast. Um, and it's all about computers gaining super intelligence and what that holds for the future of our people. Interesting. And uh, so far it's cool, but uh, there's a lot of... <laughs> the part I was reading now was all about like Bayesian something or other and junk that is like way above my pay grade and uh, laying on my bed next to the heater <laughs> reading a book, which for people who don't know me, I, I don't do reading so well. I, I mostly fall asleep when I read. So like now I'm reading something that I actually am interested in, but I'm still laying down you know, at 11 at night <laughs> next to a heater. <laughs> and, uh, yes. Yeah, so and now we're, now we're both drinking and trying to do a podcast about a film that spoilers. We don't really like, Oh no, don't, don't give it away. <laughs> oh, I don't mean, give uh, away the ending. <laughs> yeah. I, I looked up the book, by the way, my friend who works in machine learning gave it two out of five stars. Oh, that's not so good. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. Maybe you'll like it. What is his reasoning for it? <laughs> he didn't provide very much. Uh, he said, this is an important and interesting topic, but the book doesn't explore it properly. I wish it were shorter, more focused, and better informed by the current trends in AI research. Interesting. Well, the uh, well, first of all, tangent to the tangent, um, our one reviewer who was mad that we weren't talking about a movie for 30 minutes in, that, in our Captain America episode, this is probably the one episode he returns to try to figure out if he's willing to listen to the podcast again. And here we are not talking about a film. All right, so let's dive into something that is not super intelligent, The Good Dinosaur. <laughs> no, I have to finish my statement. <laughs> the, uh, the person who suggested the book was more suggesting it just based on the, the ideas of it. And the thing he suggested was... Is it good? Is it well written? I don't know. Sometimes I read these books that I find very interesting, where it's like, I, just, I can't quite decide if this person is really smart or just crazy. If you're going to read the book... And you are already sold on that premise. I think that you should start at chapter eight, which is named Is the Default Outcome Doom? Chapter eight is where it really gets 
going through all of these these points of like what can we do here's why it won't work what can we do here's why it won't work so i think you can start at chapter eight and read there and see if it's interesting to you but anyways the good dinosaur or as i joked you in hip chat the good dinosaur <laughs> you ready to do this steven it'll come around <laughs> all right we're gonna go off and try to make our mark while you guys listen to the trailer for the good dinosaur and then we're gonna come back and give you a review I think we went far enough today. Let's get you home. We need to get home. I got a job for you. Keep on the dodge and sidle up the lob while they pass them horn heads. What? That creature protected you. What is his name? I don't know. I name him, I keep him. Killer. Ah. Stinky! Violet. Spike! Lunatic! Spot! Spot! Come here, Spot! Come here! Well, ain't you just the cutest thing? <laughs> I'm done being scared. If you ain't scared, you ain't alive. miss my family. Huh? You don't understand. Alright, so the good dinosaur is, uh, you know, it's sort of like an alternate reality in which that meteor that killed all the dinosaurs doesn't kill all the dinosaurs. And then a million later after that, dinosaurs are super intelligent. Call back to the book we were talking about five minutes ago. And uh, basically, a family of dinosaurs are harvesting for the winter so they can survive it. And uh, somewhere along the way, one of these uh, dinosaurs, the runty, terrible dinosaur that's not really good at anything, gets uh, lost. And uh, then the movie turns into Homeward Bound meets... uh, the land before time and uh yeah Stephen, what did you think of this film so i'm gonna lead in with the two positive things i have to say about the movie because there's a whole lot more negative um, <laughs> positive number one the visuals in this movie the 3d rendering of this i guess it isn't prehistoric uh, like th- the 3d rendering of this world with mountains and thunder and rivers and reflections in the water is beautiful like in in 3d when i watched it at least it was unbelievably photorealistic oh you you went for the 3d on everything only for the time yeah (laughs) not because i cared about seeing it in 3d (laughs) yeah you know i spent an extra 250 just because (laughs) no big deal um but but anyway i thought I thought the the rendering of the world that they live in was very beautifully done just on like a technical level. I, I I was very impressed by that. The second thing that is good about it is Sam Elliott appearing <laughs> in the movie um, as this 
Tyrannosaurus Rex Butch, who is the quintessential manly character. <laughs> and this this is the one instance in the movie of Pixar doing what it does extremely well, which is taking a well-known voice actor and finding like the perfect role for him to play. And okay. that's it. There, <laughs> there's nothing else. Um, <laughs> there's no meaning to the story. There's no character buildup. There are no real stakes. It feels like a hodgepodge of every other Disney or Pixar movie. It starts as the Lion King and then it turns into the Jungle Book. It's um, it's Ice Age, if it were only pathos, <laughs> without any sort of plot or storyline. Yeah, It's only the general feeling of dinosaurs and people, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> And I don't know, the uh, the main character of Arlo, he's just so, he is one sentence written on a piece of paper. He is scared child who needs to overcome his fear. <laughs> like, there's nothing else to that character. And the whole movie is only kind of Walter Mitty style, let's put him in a few situations that feel grand because of the landscape and then consider that a learning curve and then we'll end the movie. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> it's just such an unsatisfying movie and that it that isn't to say it's poorly done. It's just completely unnecessary. It It feels like no one who made this movie could have possibly cared about where they were going like they only wanted to make a bizarre collection of vaguely motivational beats that other children's movies have done better already i i'm really perplexed by this movie yeah that's all i got yeah so so i'll echo your your comment about the beauty i didn't see it in 3d um i i don't you know, it was it was Thanksgiving. I was out with the family. I don't even think we even considered the idea that it was in 3D. We just were like, uh, we're here. This is the showtime we're seeing. Let's see it. But uh, anyways, so yeah, th there are definitely moments of um, of the film where like it does look photorealistic. Like everything looks good, but there were some moments where I was like, why did they just switch to live action for this one shot? <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. You're like, I, like, this is a shot of just a stream and dirt. And they just like they spent like an extra week just rendering this one scene just because they could or something like that, you know. And uh, before we started recording, you said you had at least two good things to talk about this film. And I said, oh, yeah, I had one good thing to talk about, too, but I was going to frame it in a negative. Um, and that is the beauty of this film. Like the scenery is so beautiful that any character that's animated, which is all the characters, they stick out of this world so horribly that like it's it's kind of mind-boggling to me like how how silly and non-realistic the characters look when the world itself looks so amazing i mean they're cartoons in a not cartoon world yeah <laughs> basically yeah. like this is straight up roger rabbit shit going on <laughs> and it, it's weird too because like if you look at all the if you look at like every pixar movie you can see like where the advancement in like the renderman technology has gone and it's like, you know, as you watch each one, like, uh, you know, Monsters, Inc., um, 
like you can you can look at Sully and like you can see his hair looks amazing, but like everybody else looks like sort of silly and plasticky. And like with every film, there's like one aspect of it where you're like, oh, I can tell they really cared about this. Like Brave, the hair, right? There's like a whole team of people that worked on nothing but animating the hair in Brave. And it's yeah, like I'm, I'm sure there are going to be like ten SIGGRAPH papers this year about rendering prehistoric landscapes or something. Yeah, yeah. and it's like when you put that much attention to detail in, why do you like? Why do you shove off on the rest of the stuff? You know what I mean? Like, like, I, I mean, in Brave, you're kind of watching the main character and maybe the hair is so distracting. But in this, the environment is so distracting that like even the design of the characters just look silly and not mm-hmm. in like a caricature way, just in like a weird kind of way where, I don't know, it just, it just, everything felt just kind of silly to me. Like, like the little boy creature, critter guy, he, I mean, he looks fine like he looks the way everything else should have been rendered but just the dinosaurs are such i don't know there's just something very strange about the way the way they're animated that i just didn't didn't really care for yeah i mean they reminded me of that show dinosaurs like the goofy (laughs) puppets the not the mama yeah the dad actually looks like the dad in this movie i feel like pretty much but just a big dumb grinning green dinosaur face yeah so so for me like the (laughs) <laughs> like from the narrative standpoint of this film like what this film feels like is do you remember prometheus and bob right right the little thing where it's just like the like the humanoid and like the little thing that he's like interacting with like is, is, his, is it his video camera i don't remember it's been so long i i think it's his video camera Okay, so so in that it was like a little it was, it was like little shorts that aired between other shows you were watching on nickelodeon or whatever it was so this whole film seems like a series of vignettes that would air between something else that you actually gave a shit about because it's just a series of little mini set pieces of like, hey, huh, is this going to be funny? They're going to eat berries and they're going to be poisoned. Yeah, this scene is the squirrel in Ice Age, basically. <laughs> yes, yes. Except for this whole movie feels like an entire film comprised of just squirrel and Ice Age scenes. Right. And besides that, the message of the film is utterly freaking ridiculous like like basically without getting too spoilery the the it's sort of like the entire film is sort of the opposite premise of most pixar things where like most pixar films are about somebody who was special like you couldn't do this unless you were special and this film is really about like oh by the way everyone everyone is special except for you and you're terrible at everything and you're never going to amount to anything and it's like about having this dream of one day making your mark except for like uh, personally i feel the character never makes his mark (laughs) Well, so, well, the message is basically one day you'll hit that bar because we'll lower it to where you already are. Yeah, it's exactly. It's like one day you'll eventually just get a participation medal. <laughs> and that is it, it just it, I don't know if that's a reaction to maybe some people's criticism of Pixar films in the past having a message of like like celebrating the weird and the different and the special and then maybe like. They, they were like, fun, we'll make a movie about ordinary people who aren't really I mean, that great. This is definitely not a Brad Bird movie. Like, this <laughs> no. is as far from that libertarian, like, Ayn Rand thing as you can get. It's <laughs> Which... basically like, let the weakest non-contributing member should be considered <laughs> to have contributed equally. <laughs> it, it is, it's insane, right? It doesn't make any sense. But, and... I wouldn't really mind that if they had built a story around it. Like, there are plenty of stories you can tell, and one could be 
self-acceptance or finding his particular skill set yeah. or the the traditional thing where you realize I may not be big and strong, but I have X or I have Y. And other than characters, the father in particular, telling us that this kid is special, I'm, I'm not convinced. I don't think he's special at all. Um, there, there's no strength that grows in the course of the movie except for the lack of a negative, like the lack of being particularly frightened yeah. or particularly apathetic. And, and that's the thing, too, is like if you really wanted to tell a story about that had this theoretical journey that this character is supposed to go on, why not make the good dinosaur a T-Rex who was a runt? And the whole film is him like feeling bad because he's a runt T-Rex and the T-Rex is supposed to be like the king of the beast or whatever. And then like have some climactic scene where he attacks the bad guy or something, you know, and like does something to save people. And like that's how he makes his mark. They, they could have done literally anything else, I think. <laughs> and it would have been more interesting. This particular type of dinosaur, this particular situation, it just doesn't, it doesn't have much to go on. Yeah. I, I would actually be curious to know how little kids feel because I don't know if they are creatures who gravitate towards plot and urgency the the way that I would. Like it could be that the the nice visuals and the fun vignettes are enough for them. I, no, but for I'm, I'm, Pixar, definitely not. I, I'm sure for the kids, the vignettes will be fine. Even though I don't think the kids will understand when, like, the film suddenly becomes a Western and frickin' T-Rexes are trotting around like they're horses, which, like, somebody needs to be fired <laughs> from the creative team of Pixar because that was some dumbass shit. Well, well, they've already examined most other cultures. I, I feel like they just spun the wheel and this movie was going to be a Western-themed movie. I, I, I'm totally fine with it, like, suddenly becoming thematically a Western, but... There's no reason to have to have T-Rexes trot in that manner to mimic cowboys riding horses. That makes no sense. I'm not going to let you criticize that those T-Rexes are the only part of the movie I enjoyed. <laughs> well, okay, well, let me ask you this. They try to like, they, 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 they throw that meteor thing, like I said, during my description of the film in there to be like, well, see, if the dinosaurs wouldn't have died, they would have become smart and used like, like their body as tools let me ask you this if you're super intelligent and you can build a fence to keep prehistoric chickens in a freaking cage why would you use your face <laughs> to freaking dig in the ground why are they not making tools <laughs> like why stop there and did you notice that they didn't animate the eyes at all when the people were digging their face in the ground to like create <laughs> the place to bury the seeds like literally they're staring into the ground unblinking just dragging their face in the dirt look there, there's a limit to intelligence the humans are still more intelligent clearly that's why they're superior <laughs> that's why we learn at the end of the movie that no matter how you feel no matter what makes sense, the races should stay separate. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Pixar. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it is, it is not a fully developed world <laughs> at all. It's kind of like, like, I was really hoping that, well, first of all, we can all agree that we don't count... Uh, cars as a pixar film anymore but i was i was really hoping that pixar would not make a mistake and like create something that was as un-pixar as as braid was 
And I feel like it, it saddens me that that's where we got with The Good Dinosaur. Like, I just don't, I don't understand why this film was made and what the real, like, because, so. So I, I think I heard, wasn't this scheduled to be released a while ago and they had to do like damage control on it? Or am I getting it confused with another movie? I, I don't know. But if, if they, if what we got was the damage control version of it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sad. I, my only justification, and I have no source to corroborate this except for a conversation at SIGGRAPH I had, <laughs> is <laughs> that occasionally movies in the Disney Pixar umbrella are much more Disney movies than Pixar movies. Like, the way they get forced, the way they get storyboarded, the way like pressure is applied, and I was told that Brave was one of those movies where the uh, the Pixar creative team were not really the ones designing the movie, and I can only hope that The Good Dinosaur is one of those movies too, where like Disney was just like, hey, we need another Land Before Time, and we need it <laughs> by next year. But and see, they're like, okay, fine. Uh, so instead of Spike, there'll be Spot. Uh, <laughs> Littlefoot will be Arlo. Yeah, we got it. But see, here's the thing, though. Is like, so with Braid, the thing that really... Like, so, so Braid is not a terrible film. It's just a very lesser Pixar movie. It, like, if, if, if Brave would have been released as a DreamWorks picture... I would have been far less harsh on it because, like, it's, it's a fairly competent DreamWorks film. This film, I like, I, I at least with, with Brave, like, I know the story they wanted to tell, and they told it, and they successfully told the story they wanted to tell. That story just wasn't as good as a Pixar film should be. There's no story in this. Like, there's no, there's no good message. There's no, um. Like, so, you know, we, we talked offline about the short that was before it. You can tell that the person who wrote the story behind that had something personal that they were doing in that story, right? Like, there, right, there, of course. There, there's something that makes sense there. Like, I, it, it, <laughs> is somebody going to say, like, I, I went to a park with my family on 4th of July and I got lost? Like, is that, like, the personal story that was behind The Good Dinosaur? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Yet. I have no idea. I think the personal story is I watched Ice Age and kind of forget what happened. <laughs> what what if I yeah they they watched Ice Age but they really hate Ray Romano and Queen Latifah. <laughs> so they were like, what if we remade, remade that but it wasn't snowing and there were no woolly mammoths. <laughs> is, that, is that basically how it went down? I I think that's about right. <laughs> <sighs> All right, should we should we put this film out of its misery? I I think we have to. Okay, Stephen. As far as the verdicts go, if you're going to give this a must see, a recommend the caveat, a wait for rental, a pass of the caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? I I feel almost unnecessarily harsh at such a good natured and like blandly mildly enjoyable thing but must avoid there's no reason to watch it it's like if mad max condensed action into its purest form this condensed the dumb part of children's movies into the purest form where it's 
only beats and nothing else. This was like, you know, like there's like those videos on YouTube where like some guy's a mom tries to recount stories, right? Have you ever seen these? Yeah, yeah. My my mom's very similar where like you ask her like retell the story that was in a movie that you just saw and like the things she'll come up with are like so far beyond. Like this movie is the bullet points of somebody recounting every other Pixar movie they saw. So like take like Finding Nemo, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead of the crazy wacky turtle from the ocean, we have like the crazy ta- crazy pterodactyl or whatever it is. That's basically like a shittier version of the same character. <laughs> but this one's on drugs instead of like just being like a surfer guy. Mm-hmm. And then it's like every other character is just like it's it's a similar process. Basically, there's like there's four people in this film, and none of them matter to the story. Um, so it's definitely a must avoid for me. <laughs> Anyways, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? You can do twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to The Good Dinosaur. So hopefully that's better than the film was. And, uh, yeah, that's this quick review. Um, Steven, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. You ready to go 12 rounds and go take on Creed? Arlo, f*** yourself. (laughs) All right, we will see you guys in our Creed review. Bye.